Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Alright, so anytime you get in the Bible, first things first, you want to put your Bible study face on. I don't know. But Miles got all hyped up about context, so as we get into Deuteronomy, you know, we're just going to start talking about what Deuteronomy is, and then we're going to get to the message. But Deuteronomy chapter 1, you open up your Bible, new book, like, whoa, what's this book about? You know, so you got to go back, especially in the Old Testament, you can kind of trace the story so far. You see that in Exodus, right, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, and then for 40 years, for generations, these, these people, the, the Israelites with Moses, have just been in this weird, like, fog of existence, right? They're, God's providing for them, and then they're, they're just not quite where they should have been yet. And so, that's Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus, then Numbers. Like, we've, we've gone three books from Exodus. Like, Exodus, like, 16 is when they leave Egypt. So from there, two whole books, and they're still not where they were supposed to go from Exodus. They still haven't got there yet. And so Deuteronomy chapter 1 is like, okay, the people are still there. Moses is still Moses. And that's the story that we're jumping into. Like, if you can imagine a group of thousands of people have been delivered from Exodus, from, from Egypt, sorry, and Moses has been leading them. And at this point... 40 years, generation later, they're still out with Moses, and people are getting frustrated, Moses especially. It's just like, okay, so, so what are we doing now? Where, what are we, where are we at? What are we doing? And this is Deuteronomy. And so, um, verse 1. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side, Jordan, in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hezeroth and Dizahab. When you play magic, you can say names way more confidently. <laughs> okay, and then you skip down, so that, that's where we're at, right? We're across the Red Sea, we've been delivered, uh, and then we jump down to verse 6, all right? So verse 6 through 8, I'm going to read that. It says that, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you and take your journey, and go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto all the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south, and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and, Canaanites, and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them to their seed after them. So he tells them, go into this land that I've already promised all of your forefathers. Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. God told them that they would have this land. So all these people with Moses have come out of Egypt. And he's like, alright, it's time. You guys have been through enough. Go do the same thing I've already been telling you guys to do. But let's go do that now. Now it's time to go take the land. Right? In our Bible study minds, we're still, we're still fresh in those. Oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to say that yet. <laughs> Forget I said that part. So he tells, them, he tells them, okay, it's enough. 
We've been out of the land. We've been in the wilderness. It's enough. Let, let's go do what the plan is. Let, let's get back on track. Remember, we need to go to take the land, to go possess what I've given you, what I've promised your ancestors. You've had your time of rest, your time of recovery, your time of sanctification, your time of trial and tribulation. You've had all those times. You've sat in my blessing, blessing plenty. Now it's time to do something, to go. And so when you abide with God, he will always prepare a path of obedience for you. So abiding with God always ends up in a place where he's going to give you the opportunity to having abode with him, choose to obey him or choose to disobey him. That's always going to happen after abiding, right? Just, you don't have to believe me, but write it down. So key point number one. The Israelites were commissioned to go into the land and possess it. And so now, what I was going to say, is our Bible study minds are tingling. I hear, go ye into the land, go ye unto the land. And what I think, moving on from historical application, what I think now is a personal application, that sounds a lot like the same thing God wants from me. He told the Israelites, go ye unto the land, take it and possess it. He tells me, what? Well, you know, just say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go ye therefore unto all the nations, teaching, making disciples. That's our mission, right? And doesn't that sound a lot like what he just told them? Doesn't it sound really similar? What that means is I can take this from this point and I can look at their lives and I can draw comparisons to what I'm going through. I can draw comparisons to what he's asking of them, to what God is asking of me now. And I'm not saying that I need to go into the land and conquer them and defeat giants, because that's, you know, there's ridiculous anyways. But I do need to go into a land and to teach them and to, to make disciples, and that's going to look very similar if you follow Bible study. It's, it's always pattern-based, similarity-based, there's contrast, but it, he's always going to give, God's always going to give you tools to help you understand what's going on. And this is one of those things here for us. So that's why we're talking about it. So he's giving the people their mission. He's giving them their vision. But as of yet, they, they only have Moses. Right? They have, they have the people, they have the vision. So now imagine our whole church, and we only have Sam Miles. Right? Take all the leaders in your mind that are around you, just, just delete them. And imagine only having Sam Miles. Right? I don't know, 700, how many people are at Midtown now? 600 people? Like, that would be crazy. This is thousands of people. It would be crazy even with 600. It would be crazy even here if it was only Brandon, right? That would still be crazy. And Moses is getting stressed. He's asking God for help. Look at, look at verse 9 and, and 12. Um, it says, Moses, it says, And I spake unto you at that time, saying, I am not able to bear you myself alone. That's Moses talking about the people. I'm not able to do this alone. And then in verse 12, How can I myself alone bear your cumbrance and your burden and your strife? Moses is like, God and, and, and people, I can't do this. I'm not enough of a man to deal with you guys, right? We, we've got our vision. We know what we're supposed to do, but I need help. I can't, I can't continue leading us to get this vision done. So, so from among the people, what happens? So from among the group of people, the Israelites, there are leaders established. There are leaders raised up to help Moses from the people. They don't, they don't phone in back to Egypt 
ask him to send a couple dudes. They don't, they don't, I mean, I'm not disparaging that. But what happens here is that from the people that Moses is leading, leaders are raised up. And I hope you see that around you. That, that should be true here. Just like what we talked about, their vision looking like our vision. What happens there should look, look like what you see here. Like, where are the leaders around you? Where did they come from? We didn't just invite them over from Tampa or Lee Summit. They're just people that have been at Midtown, been in Bible studies, and now they're leading Bible studies. That's how leaders, leaders are made around here. Um, so with, with this amount of people, Brandon is overwhelmed, but would get overwhelmed even more if there wasn't those leaders. Um, and the leaders that we see them raising up, I forgot to write down the uh, reference. Verse 13 um, says, Take your, you wise men and understanding and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over, over you. And then verse 15, so I took the chief of your tribes. Um, so he takes the chief of the tribes, the wise men, and the known. Right? And that's kind of a weird list. The chief of the tribes, the chiefs, the wise men, and then the known. What? The known? What the heck does that mean? Um, just anyone you know? Or like a known guy? Um, and so you see, um, with, with further studies, that these weren't just people selected at random but they were those who were already leading. They were the people who were already doing it in the body. The, the chief of the tribe, he already had tribe chiefly duties. The people who were wise had already been giving counsel. It just had only fallen to Moses thus far. And the people that are known, that's the one that's, that's special for us, right? That's the people that when they're around you or someone asks you about them or you think of a leader in your life, you know them as that. Someone asks, who should be a deacon? And you have people pop into your head that you recommend on that deacon thing because they've proven that they're leaders. They're known among you as leaders. There were were people from among them whose character was already lending itself to the choice of leadership. If If you have aspirations of leadership, you should already be leading Right? If you desire that, like if you desire that office of a bishop, you know, it's a good thing. But it's totally different to say you want that and then do whatever you want afterwards. You can want that, but you should, you should be living like that now. Live like you are a leader. You know, not, not, not in a, uh, a prideful way. But so if you take, so look at the, the qualities of a pastor, what he should be. And a lady, this is, you know, same thing. But uh, you take those qualities, if you apply them to your life and you're not a pastor, it's not bad. <laughs> you just live a holy life. <laughs> like, it's, it's not a bad thing to say, I'm just going to apply these attributes to my walk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply the fruit of the Spirit to my walk. I'm going to seek after God. And that falls out to being a leader. <laughs> that falls out to being known. I know that guy follows the Lord because of the, what, the way his life looks. So I'm kind of speeding through this first part. It'll start making sense later, so bear with me. But some of us have the aspiration to lead, but think it's, it's more fun to be a distraction. Um, you know, and honestly, that's, that's more of a burden to those leading around you than it is helpful. You know, if, if you're a distraction, it's like, well, I don't, it doesn't really matter that you want to lead right now. You're just, you're just distracting. I just need you to be quiet and, and learn, you know. Um, 
you know, so, so it's just some practical things. Um, you know, not every situation needs to be a joke, right? There needs to be serious times in Bible study. Um, wanting just to, to hear people, have people hear you talk isn't always a good thing. You know, if, if your voice needs to be heard, God will let your voice be heard, you know? Um, and then the, the last thing you want to do is want to be seen as a leader by the people around you. You know, you don't want to just be doing something so that others will, will see that in you. Um, and some, some of us don't have that aspiration, um, but that's, it's not even necessarily necessary. <laughs> necessarily necessary. I don't know why I wrote that. Um, it's not necessary that you want to be a leader to qualify you to be a leader. Um, if you're obeying God and seeking after him, abiding in him, ministering to the body, being faithful, an example, that's just what a spirit-filled, obedient follower of Christ does. And that, that in and of itself is an example. And when people see you doing that, they'll want to emulate what you're doing. So that makes you a leader, whether you like it or not, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe you won't lead a Bible study, but your life can absolutely lead, lead people. You know, I don't have to be the leader of a Bible study for my life to be something others should emulate. You don't have to be a pastor for your life to account, attribute the pastoral qualifications. They're just good things. It's never a, uh, all right, who's next? Like, let's just pick somebody to, to send out a, a Bible study with. You know, it's been proven in a Bible study who should, who should take the group. It's, it's people who have shown that they're leaders. It's people who are known to be leaders. It's the wise men, the, the people of understanding Acts 13.2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. You know, when you're in a small group, it's, it, you don't have to, to strive. And, and this is more like, you know, small, speaking to small groups now. If you're lost and don't know what that is, just wait. <laughs> I'm going to be done with that in a second. All it takes for you in, in a small group is just to own that you're in the small group. Like, the most helpful thing to Moses is these guys realizing that this body is my body too. These people are my people too. And I'm going to help. I'm going to help lead. You know, you're, you're thinking of the other needs of the guys around you, the ladies around you. You show up to Bible study and, you know, what I'm going through isn't as important as what my brother here needs tonight. So I'm going to set myself aside and I'm going to minister to his needs. You bring snacks. <laughs> Maybe you bring snacks to Bible study and I don't have to always do it. <laughs> Shout out to Brad. Chocolate popcorn. <laughs> Maybe you go home and you're praying for the people in your small group. Maybe you're praying for your small group leader. Maybe you, you ask your leader what would be most helpful to them. Hey, I go to your Bible study and I've been here for a while now and I study the Bible. How can I help? That would go a long way. Anyways, 
Let's be done with Bible studies. Make me emotional. Okay, key point number two. Biblically, leaders are homegrown. So, God, God needs homegrown leaders. Um, God needed men like Moses. And he, he called him out and he took him and he used him. God needed men like Joshua and Caleb. We'll talk about them later. God, God needed men who decides that God is worth their life. God needs mighty men, men of character, men who take discipleship seriously, men who step up to serve, men who evangelize, men who invest down, men willing to study the Bible, men willing to abide with Christ, men whose affections are set on things above, and men worthy of godly wives. Ladies, keep doing what you're doing. I'm just kidding. You guys need all that too. Um, take that where you need it. But without spending too much time, I mean, I hope we can see how, how Deuteronomy chapter 1 is already so practical for us. Already where they are speaks directly to where I am. We see that the children of Israel are so similar to us and much more similar than we'd like to think. We look on their life and see disobedience and disobedience and disobedience and rebellion and they're murmuring, and they're, they're not satisfied with what God's doing, and like it or not, that's us over and over again. I don't like to admit it, but that's me. I constantly tell God no. I constantly say I'm unsatisfied with what you're doing. I constantly say, I'm tired of this blessing. I'd like a different blessing. God's been working in their lives. They had a great leader. They had guys who could be great leaders. Why do I keep crying? <laughs> They are growing. The, the, the leaders in that body were growing. They have their mission to take the land. And the option was theirs to do it or not. Are they going to take the land? Are you going to go into the nations and teach them and make disciples? Are the children of Israel going to go into the land and conquer it? Okay, verse 18 through 33. I'm just going to read this whole passage. Because sometimes, me and Seth are talking about this, but sometimes a passage just preaches enough by itself where I don't really need to say much else. I just need to let it say what it says. And that's, yeah, that's really hard to read. So just listen harder. You're in Deuteronomy, so 18 through 33. And he says, And I commanded you at that time all the things which ye should do. And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which ye saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, and, and we came Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, Ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. He's, he, he gave it to them. He's already, remember, promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This land is already theirs. Through God's promise. They've come to this place. Verse 21. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. Do not fear, do not be discouraged. This place is your inheritance. I've already given it to you. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. 22. And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, 
We'll send men before us that they should search out the land and, and bring us word again by the way that we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well. And I took twelve men among you, one of a tribe. And they turned and went up into the mountain and came unto the valley of Eskel and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, ye would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents, and said, The Lord hated us. He hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you, according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. You've seen it. You watched God walk you through a sea. You watched God send plagues on the Egyptians. You watched him deliver you from Egypt. And in the wilderness, where thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son, in all the way that ye went, until ye came unto this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night to show you by what way ye should go, and in a cloud by day. He was with you every step of the way. He was with them by day and by night. He... he he took care of them like he was, like I'm walking through the woods with my son. I'm not just walking saying, hey, keep up. I'm taking care of him. I'm watching for where he's stepping. I'm watching for dangers. You know, if he gets cold, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him warm. If he, we get tired and we need to sleep somewhere, I'm going to find a good spot for him to set up, tent, set up a tent. We're going to sleep and we're going to be cozy. It's going to be fun. We're going to have some times together, but I'm going to take care of him. And that's exactly what God was doing for them. They were walking through the land, and he, they, would, they would follow the fire, and he would say, here's a good spot. And they would say, I'm hungry, and he would rain down bread. <laughs> they needed water, and so God, Moses first spoke to the, the rock, and they got water from it. God did so much for these people. And God has done so much for you. You know, the, the gospel's awesome. The, the gospel is great. You don't have to go to hell. That's, that's awesome. But what's really awesome about the gospel is it transforms your life. You are no longer the same when you have Jesus Christ inside of you. And I can look back, and just like the children of Israel, just like Moses recounting here, I can look back and I can see all the things that God's done. You know, the... the things that that my family has had to go through right just hard stuff happens maybe you lose a parent maybe you lose both your parents that sucks without Jesus that's super hard you know and and me personally I I got into drugs and and that kind of life and, and that's hard no 
No one's no one's blaming us for having a hard time. Things get hard. Going through all of life is, is hard. But with Jesus Christ, he he brought me from that. He healed the the trauma. He 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 fixed my wound. My wound. Yeah. He delivered me. Sorry, my wife's pregnant. I thought I said wound. <laughs> Don't have one. Um, <laughs> When I was struggling, I don't know if I'll use this, but thank you. <laughs> you know, when I'm struggling and when I'm lost and when I'm thinking that he's not enough and, and what I want is more important, he's patiently waiting for me to realize that I'm so dumb. And, and he had every right to just continue on and to leave me and to say, well, I'm going to go with Joshua and Caleb. Have fun. You know, he didn't do that to me. He waited for me. He's done so much. He's given me more than I could have ever asked for. He satisfies that hole in your, your heart. You know, it's funny, Bastille has a song, they're a huge pop band, and they sing a song that literally goes, there's a hole in my soul. I can't fill it, I can't fill it. Next line, there's a hole in my soul, can you fill it? Can you fill it? It's just, I mean, it's a fun, it's a cool song, I like it. But it's the world, and they're, they're saying exactly how you feel without Jesus Christ. There's a hole in my soul. I can't fill it. I can't, I can't get enough things. I can't ask for the right things. I can't spend enough money. I can't do all the stuff, the world, and advertisements and commercials. I can't do enough to fill this, this hole in my soul. And that's not enough. So I have this hole still. Can, can this religion fill it? Can this religion fill it? Maybe I can meditate. Maybe I can do this. And the hole's still not filled. Only Jesus Christ fills that hole in your soul. And you're satisfied. You're transformed. Key point number three. At some point, you have to stop sitting around. At some point, you can't sit around anymore. And at some point, you have to just decide that you're going to believe God. Because ultimately, that's, that's what Israel was dealing with. They saw over and over again that God was God and he was leading them. It blows my mind, but that's how silly I look in my life. A pillar of fire leading them to where they should sleep. A ocean spreading so they could walk across it. And then still, God says, hey, I've given you this land. There's giants. I'm going to fight them for you. Don't be afraid. But now they doubt, you know, despite everything. And so God maybe is telling you, like, why don't you, I don't know, this is an example, be patient and just pray about it for a second. <laughs> you know, and, and God's, God's done so much in your life, but that's, that's, I can't do that. And we're just like those Israelites. That It's so silly that we'd say, I, I don't believe you, God. He, he hates us. How can... How could you say that God hates you looking at what he's done? It's so silly. You know, God, I, I can't go there. I can't pray about going to Boston because my family's here. You, you just, you don't let God be God. All of a sudden, we're like the Israelites again. I'm like the Israelites. I'm not saying you. I'm saying us. But we, we can't do it, you know. We, we just won't have faith. And at some point, you have to decide. I'm going to obey God. He said that the land is mine. He said he's going to fight. He said, don't be scared. Well, I won't be. 
That's what it should have looked like. Joshua 18.3 says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? 1 Kings 18.21 And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. I like that part. Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> Psalm 4, verse 2. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? How long do you just want to rent houses? You know? Our time in this world is like that. How long will we lease instead of buying up treasures in heaven? Proverbs 6, 9. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Um, you know, Bible, biblically, if you're studying and stuff, a lot of times what you'll, you'll think of this period of time and it's often referred to as the night. Like it's the night time. The sun is coming up. And so if you think you're living in the night, and apply this verse to you, how long will you sleep in the night? Because the day's coming. And Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but it's going to happen any moment. Like, you know, I don't know what time the sun rises. But let's say it's like 5 a.m. and it's still dark. It should be rising, and you're like, well... 501, the sun is going to come up. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the clock spin. That was bad. I guess I just made it up. <laughs> Last time I just made up an analogy. Uh, one of our pastors just like wrote it down and circled it. So I thought I had a thing for it. But... <laughs> Should do that. Anyways, Jesus is coming back. Right? And the nighttime is over at any moment. So how long are you just going to sleep? We need to be awake and waking people up. We need to be sharing the gospel. There's still time for us to believe in Christ. There's still time for us to repent. But there isn't time for me to love silliness more than God. There isn't time for me to make jokes at Moses when he's giving me a command. You know... And I, I was thinking about this, like, when Moses was lifting up his hands, this had happened earlier, and uh, the, um, Aaron and who else is holding his arms up? Her? Oh, Aaron and her. But, so Moses is holding his hands up, and these two guys, these faithful servants, they're, they're holding Moses' arms up with them. Right? It's a serious moment. Like, when their hands fall, the battle is, their friends, their families are getting killed. If, if, if Moses is holding his hands up and Aaron gets distracted or decides, you know, oh, let's hang on her, let's go cast lots real quick. Like, when the hands are up and it's saving people's lives and it's gospel time, it's nighttime, what, what do you mean? Why are you letting go of his hands for that? Why are you letting his arms down for that? He needs you. Moses needs you. That was a side note. But Kansas City is our land. Right? The Israelites were to go in and to take the land. 
Where to go ye therefore unto all the nations? Barring you knowing you're supposed to go somewhere, Kansas City is that place for you. You wake up and you go to work, you go to school, you do whatever. That's your land, wherever you are. So Kansas City, our land, will remain unclaimed as long as God's people remained shackled in fear, passivity, and apathy. So the Israelites will remain, that, that land will remain not theirs until they get over it and go into it. And then ultimately, you know, God says it's been long enough, right? So how long will Kansas City wait in wickedness for a people to go? In obedience to God, abandoning fear, remembering the God that goes before them. The God who broke our chains. The God who leads us and guides us. The God who speaks to our heart. The God who, when you feel like you were in a fiery furnace, He's right there with you. Our God who didn't give up on us when He saw the evil in our hearts. Our God who, when we cheated on Him, doesn't divorce us. You know, think of Hosea. That's a picture of God for us. We constantly are going back and being the whore. Pardon me. Um, it's biblical. Um, and God doesn't cast us out. He waits for us to come home. Our Jesus, who gave up his life on a cross for us. Jesus, who just asks for us to have faith. Trust in that God who has desperately and fervently shown himself faithful on your behalf. Not, not his behalf, not her behalf. Talking to you. Me. On my behalf, he gave up his life. He was mocked, and he's constantly mocked by my life. Just believe him. What has he done to show himself unfaithful? When has he ever lied? And then the story from here in Deuteronomy is sad. It just gets sad. Um... Out of out of the whole, the whole people, out of nations, like out of the generations, out of thousands, two people go into the land. Two. You know, if if we were to take a sample of that, probably no, it would be none of us. <laughs> this many people among all them, we wouldn't be. I mean, that that's the sample size of it. Is is two people out of all of them? Decide to, to be, be faithful to God. If only two of us are faithful and end up doing the mission out of this group, how sad would that be? What a waste. Right? Why even why are we even here if two of us are gonna do it? I mean, I'll be here if just two of us do it. But like, you know, if we're not gonna do it. Verse 42, Deuteronomy 1. And the Lord said unto me, Say unto them, Go not up, neither fight, for I am not among you, lest ye be smitten before your enemies. So I spake unto you, and ye would not hear, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord, and went presumptuously up into the hill. 
and the Amorites, which dwelt in that mountain, came out against you and chased you, as bees do, and destroyed you in Seir, even unto Hormah. And you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not hearken to your voice, nor give ear unto you. So God says, fine. It can be just a joke. It can be all fun and games. That's fine. I'm going to go with Caleb and Joshua. You know, I, I tried a long time. I'm going to go be with Caleb and Joshua. They're going to believe me. That, that's what we play with. That's, that's what we do when we make a game out of being a lukewarm Christian. I'm not, I'm not saying God is, it's a big thing, but it's a different dispensation now. So God has so much more grace for us now. But that's what we're playing with. Like, it's all fun until God walks away and you can't come back anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's all good. Like, I'm hot a Christian now. I'm a cold Christian now because God will just forgive me until, until, until the game's over. Until there's no more chance for repentance and you're caught at the end in rebellion, it's not fun anymore. That's what we're that's what we're wasting our time with. Being lukewarm Christians. God says, Alright, well I'm gonna go be with the hot ones. Joshua and Caleb, not. <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna go serve them. They're cause they're serving me. I'm tired of you jumping back and forth. Because Kansas City needs you. I didn't just give you a land to give it to you. He didn't just put us in Kansas City so we can be here. We're here in Kansas City because Kansas City needs you. God chose you to speak through you. And he loves the heck out of you. And he gave his life for you. And he, he forgives you. He desperately wants you to be with him. But he wants to use your voice to speak to lost people, to evangelize. Some of you guys need to come talk to Long and sign up for evangelism. You don't have to sign up, do you? Please show up. Good if they let us know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let them know. Um, so, it's, like I said, it's nighttime. And any moment now, it's past time when the sun should be rising. Like, I don't know what's going on with this freak incident where the sun hasn't come up. I can only assume that it's going to come up at any moment. That was what I was trying to say earlier. Like, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when time's up. We don't know when the game is over. We don't know when he says, okay, I've had enough. And you're, he's just going to be like, all right, just come home. You, you can't get this right. Just come home. Romans 13.11 uh, says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And I'm, I'm not saying we, don't, we can't have fun or tell jokes or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to have fun in the light of doing the mission. We have to have fun while, while we're all moving forward in faith. It's just sad if it's anything else. If we're choosing to have fun rather than move forward. Um, 
you know, so, so some of us um, are going to need to repent. Maybe, maybe we are identifying with those Israelites, right? Maybe some of you don't are realizing that you don't know God like that. You don't have that kind of relationship. What you need is to hear the gospel. Um, so we're going to do something funky now. Um, going to do where you're seated, you're just going to find, like, get in a group of, like, four, right? Not 16 groups of four. Is it okay that I'm doing this? I'll never be here again. <laughs> so we're just going to break up into small groups, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how we can identify with those Israelites, right? And if you need to repent, if you need to say, hey, listen, I'm not Joshua and Caleb. God, will you forgive me and help me to be that? Then I want you to just be honest with the people you're sitting with. You know, thousands of people and two of them, none of those guys were like, dude, you're not listening to God and obeying him? Man, I, like, no one could say that except Joshua and Caleb. Like, we're all just children. We're all sinners. Like, we all mess up. So if you need to repent, we need to repent. And we're just going to have a time where, where we talk about it and we deal about it. We deal with it. We're going to talk about the practical opportunities that you have for obedience. So you might write these down. Repent, if you need to. Opportunities for practical obedience. What that means is, like, I know that God wants me to do this specific thing, right? And I'm, I'm playing around with it. Has, has God asked you to enter the land and you're not, you know? We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.